Exceptional Field Service Delivery creates, magnifies, and sustains exceptional customer experiences and brand loyalty. Welcome to the Super FM Podcast, Field Service Your Way, with me, Michael Israel. I'll lead conversations about critical issues in today's field service ecosystem with knowledgeable and experienced service management professionals. Now, let's learn something. Hello and welcome to Zuper FM Field Service Your Way with your host, Michael Israel. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Eric? Nice to uh, talk to you again. Oh, it's it's always a pleasure, my friend. And for those longtime listeners, you're in for a treat. It is the Michael and Michael Show. Mr. Michael <laughs> Blumberg is back on the show, return guest. So if you've been a longtime listener, you'll have heard his last episode. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. But Michael Israel, what are you guys talking about today? Well, it's very interesting. Uh, Michael Blumberg and Blumberg Associates have recently engaged in a study about field service and the potential impact of a, of a recession, if that does happen, and some of the important features or some of the important facts and measurements that field service organizations are tracking and what their expectations are going forward in terms of their performance and how technology is impacting field service delivery, et cetera. So that's kind of a mouthful. Sorry about that. I'll let Michael describe it a little bit uh, better than I just did. Yeah, thank you, Michael Israel. Thank sure. you for having me on the show as well. And we've got some really great data to share from our research study. You, meant, you alluded to this earlier about the concerns about a recession. I think recessions are interesting. A lot of people get terrified of them, get afraid, afraid of them. I think it really forces us to look more more seriously, pay more attention to our businesses. When things are going well, we kind of have this hubris sometimes <laughs> that they're going to continue and we lose sight of what's important, where we need to focus. I think what happens with the recession, we start really looking at how are we really doing as a company? Is it really the economy that's making us thrive or, or is it things we can be doing or should be doing to thrive? So, so that's what our research helped to uncover. One of the things that was really surprising in our research was that a majority of the respondents were optimistic about the future, despite their being very aware of concerns people have about the recession. Not only are they optimistic about the future, but they expect the demand for their field service offerings to continue to increase, either remain the same or increase. And what that kind of helps to validate something that Many of us who've been in the field service industry for a long time understand and that field service is recessionary proof or can be recessionary proof in the sense that there's more demand for field services uh, in a recession when there isn't because people aren't buying new stuff. They're having to have to maintain and service existing products, services, and equipment that they have. What we also learned from this study is that customers uh, expect that let me, let me rephrase that, that the people we surveyed, which were mm -hmm. owners right. and executives at field service, at businesses that own field service operations, they believe that their customers expect a proactive service experience. And this is a trend we've been hearing for a while, that uh, customers want proactive service, that you have to offer them proactive service. And so the people that are in the trenches, they're doing this every day, say that that's, uh, say that's the case. They want, that their customers want a proactive service experience. Now, what's interesting is while they recognize that customers want a proactive service experience, there's a lower number of respondents who say that customers want some of the features 
it might be might be what would define a proactive service experience like being able to open a service ticket yourself if you're an end customer yeah. being mm -hmm. able to see where your your service technician is being able to know where the parts are are they on in route or are they in the warehouse so all these things are important it's just that what that's telling us tell, and telling me because i analyze this is uh it's not that the customers don't want that it's just they have to be educated they want a proactive service experience but they may not necessarily be sure how it happens but it could also be said at the end of the day they want proactive how you make it happen is less important than making it happen if that makes sense yeah, we can we can come back and talk about proactive and equate it with another thing that I know you're familiar with that we promote a lot, and that is completed service work. But before we do that, I want to back up on a couple of points that you made. Mm -hmm. One of them is you referred to those of us that have been in field service for a long time. And that certainly means you and me and uh, other people. But I think it it would be appropriate for people that perhaps did not have the opportunity to listen to your earlier podcast with me. Why don't you give the audience a little background about yourself and how long you've been doing this and what your experience is and some examples of your uh, expertise in the field service ecosystem, so to speak? Yeah, sure. I, I started in, in as a management consultant in the field service industry back in 1985. I actually began doing market research. I think the first study I did was we had a client that made electronic cash registers and they were found in McDonald's restaurants. And they were finding that um, the service was profitable for them servicing these cash registers, but McDonald's was asking them to do more. So they asked the question of us is, do you think there's an opportunity for us to expand our service offering beyond cash registers? Is there anything else we could do in the McDonald's restaurants? Uh, so, mm. we, so I did the market research. I talked to McDonald's owners and operators about that. Who's servicing your your broilers? Who's servicing your cash registers? Are you getting good service on your cash registers? Center, you're getting good service on your cash register. Would you service up? Would you use that same vendor to service other types of equipment? Yeah. So the end net result was we developed a growth strategy for our client. I played a key role in that, in um, expanding beyond just electronic cash registers. And from there, I started not just looking at what customer wants and needs are, but how do you make sure you deliver? How do you make sure you meet your promises to the customers? Some of the biggest concerns if you're in field services is making sure you can make the commitment you've made to your customer, that you can get there within a certain period of time, that you have the parts on hand, that the when the technician gets there, they can fix the job right the first time. So I got involved in understanding the different processes and practices involved in delivering those services and what kind of technology was required to automate and streamline those processes. Yeah, very good. And I think uh, at that point in time, you were partnered with your dad, as I recall. That's correctly. correct. Yeah, yeah, he was my mentor. He, he was really an ex, one of the uh, initial experts. And then yeah. you, you came around too. You were around the same time. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew your dad back then as well. Yeah. So uh, good for you. So the other th thing that I wanted to bring up was we, we talked a little bit about um, the recession. And one of the things that you mentioned that you found in the study is that uh, most of the participants that answered the survey said that they were very optimistic about the future, which kind of flies in the face of the fear of recession in a way, I think, because all of the current or many, most of the current economic indicators seem to indicate that maybe, you know, we'll bypass the recession. It'll be a, whatever what they refer to as a very, very soft landing. So I think 
the results that you got in the survey showing that people are very optimistic, the fear of recession seems to be subsiding a little bit. Is that your impression as well? That's my impression now. We we did the study a couple months ago. Yeah, true. So true, things true. change. I think what this shows us two things is that these owners and operators of field service organizations believe they're going to power through any recession, but they recognize that in, as I alluded to before, certain kinds of industries and segments have more demand for field service in a recession. So think of maybe a home appliance or heating, ventilation, air conditioning equipment. Maybe you can't replace those products or you're not willing to pay the products. Maybe you got laid off or you're watching every penny because of the recession. Sure. And I'm saying you being the consumer. Yeah. So what is the consumer's options? Well, they can sit in a home with a broken refrigerator, no air conditioning, or they could have their technician from the company they bought the equipment from service it, provide maintenance and repair. And that produces a revenue stream for the HVAC company or for the appliance dealer. Right. Generating yeah. revenue from that side of the, of the business. Yeah. Well, certainly being a homeowner and having to, having had to do a whole bunch of repairs to my house just recently, I can certainly appreciate that. But I think it would also apply, wouldn't it, to businesses as well? Because if if a business, as I know many businesses have been very concerned about a, re a recession, they may be you know, reluctant to have very costly new capital expenditures. And so, yeah, so the equipment that they have, like in a manufacturing facility where they've got computer-controlled numerical devices, for example, rather than think about investing in a new one, or adding additional pieces of equipment, perhaps they would think more closely about, okay, let me make sure that I maintain the equipment I have very well so that I'm maximizing the throughput and the production capabilities of the equipment that I have so that I can avoid that additional capital expenditure during this time that I may be concerned, right? Does that make sense that, to you? That makes sense. And that actually adds another complexity to field service is when we're in a recession, and people need to have more demand for maintenance services, we start to see the emergence of more third parties trying to go get cut business directly. Oh, that's a good point. So you got competition now. And it's the way you survive that competition and you thrive is you add more value, right? So yeah. keep one of the ways you add more value is you want to look at investing in the infrastructure and make it better, faster, cheaper. Yeah. And so... During a recession is not the time to start cutting back. It's really to really keep your eye on the ball of your service business. Yeah. And one of the ways that you also add more value to come back to a point that you were making earlier is that you be, you start to offer some proactive services. Exactly. Right. And you start to do things like predictive maintenance and um, perhaps implementing IoT capabilities that allow you to spot problems before they happen. And even thinking about some of the emerging artificial intelligence capabilities that help identify potential problems before they happen so that you can proactively uh, act instead of waiting for something to fail and then act, right? That's exactly right. They go hand in hand, value added yeah. and the technology that makes it possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's go back to your study a little bit. I know you had uh, 200 plus respondents which is good. That's a good, that's a good number. And you had, I'm looking at some of the data that you provided right now. And most of the providers were indeed service providers. There was a, about a quarter of them were actual OEMs, equi original equipment manufacturers. 
And then there were uh, a smattering of other respondents as well, including some distributors and resellers. Uh, obviously, distributors and resellers oftentimes not only sell the product, but they service it after the fact as well. The, a great example of that would be Caterpillar, right? All the Caterpillar distributors across the country, they don't just sell the product and rent the product. They also service it. So a, a good variety of uh, respondents. Any thoughts, comments you want to make about the people that responded to your survey? Well, I was really pleased with the respondents, if I have. If they say so. Yeah. We didn't see that much variation between the respondents in terms of, you know, how they answered the questions, whether an OEM would answer it differently than a dealer distributor. There's a lot of consistency of how they viewed the market. Right. How they viewed the industry. Yeah. And it seemed like there was a, a, a lot of companies that uh, do multiple types of services. You have some facility maintenance people, uh, you have IT service people, and obviously a, a number of manufacturers as well. Um, That's right. We did have a broad, broad yeah. So and so many of those companies, of course, are kind of high tech companies. You'd think of IT service, of course, and manufacturing and security and surveillance as high tech. But you also had a, a number of uh, what we would consider low tech industries, so to speak, responding as well, such as landscaping and perhaps HVAC, although you've got to argue today that heating, ventilating and air conditioning is very high tech anymore. So you had a wide variety of industries among your respondents as well, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, while maybe a landscaping company isn't going to need an IoT solution, because what would you connect it to? But there are <laughs> requirements to streamline their operations, to have uh, the right technology like CRM technology is part of the study. We looked at the role of AI. So, you know, we see across the board a high percentage of companies looking at AI to improve the call center operations to improve the scheduling and routing of their field workers. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And I, I agree, even if it's a, if it's a so-called low tech industry, such as landscaping, for example, it's still very important for the servicing organizations. Th those people are in the field, right? They're out doing things either at a residence or at a, at a corporation or a, a university or some large organization that has a, a lot of grounds that need to be maintained and snow removal that has to happen during the winter months, et cetera. So it's really, it's equally important for those organizations to be able to monitor and track and use the field resources they have in the most efficient and cost-effective manner possible. Exactly. So field service is not just restricted to high tech. It's anybody and everybody that's out in the field doing any kind of work whatsoever, right? That's right. In right. the field. And to your point, the customers of the of these providers are going to be looking at these low-tech companies and are currently are looking at low-tech companies and evaluating, evaluating them with the same criteria they're, they're using for the higher-tech companies. Sure. They're going to look at, well, is this guy walking around with a clip? Is this salesperson walking around with paper and a clipboard? Do the people sign to my site? to my home or my building or my property, you know, have electronic records of what they did last time and so on and so forth. Yeah, exactly. And the reason I know this might be intuitive to some, but we did a study about 20, 30 years ago when President Clinton was in office. He created something called calling Reengineering America. And the idea um, was that every agency had to conduct customer satisfaction studies and conduct customer wants and needs studies if they were wanting to get at budget increases. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of story here. We were hired by the National Archives 
to look at customer sat, but I, I can, I'm using this experience in customer with the National Archives, you know, to make my point about how, how people look at different industries to compare the industry they're currently doing business with. So mm -hmm. I'm make up my story even longer. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we have the, time uh, here. <laughs> when we, we did focus groups and we asked, we had two focus groups. One was of academics that were, were kind of writing books about history and biographies. And we asked them, when you're at the National Archives, what other industries do you compare it to? And they said, well, we compare it to Nordstrom's. It's really high tech, high touch. That's what we expect. We're professionals. We want the librarians and the research staff and National Archives to treat us that way. And another group of people we interviewed were just they weren't professional researchers, but they researched. They enjoyed researching. Maybe they were students, they were professors, but they weren't publishing. And we said, what, what experience do you compare this to? When they said McDonald's. We want to have the same experience every time. So that's my story. Yeah. When you go to different industries, they're looking at, uh, they're, they're not just looking at, at the service compared to the direct competitor. They're looking at service to compare to indirect customer, indirect competitors, it might offer a similar type of service. Yeah, no, I, I think that's very, very relevant and very important. And I've, I've experienced that myself and I've heard people talk about that uh, many, many times. You don't just compare the service you get within your own industry to help you decide what direction you want to go as far as choosing a vendor, for example, is concerned or a retail store or whatever. You're comparing it to the best service that you've received from anyone in any industry. Right. So right. when I think about, and I don't mean to give a commercial here, but, but I will, I guess when I think about great service, I think about American express, for example, personally, when I think about really good service, I think about Apple, when I think about really good service, and this is a, an analogy that many people make, I think about Lyft and Uber. Right. So I know when I need to go to the airport, which I do tomorrow morning, very, very early, I can rely on Lyft being here when I schedule the time. I'm going to schedule a time with them tonight. I know from past experience that they will be here when I want them to be here for an early morning flight. So when people think about the excellent service that they receive from one company, they apply that same standard to other companies, even if that company is not even in the same industry. That's right. right. And uh, that's a great example about Uber. Yeah. That's what a lot of, customers of field service organizations are experiencing their, I'm sorry, expecting, they're expecting an Uber-like service experience. Oh, we run into that all the time. Yeah. I mean, right. in, I'm with Zuper, obviously. And when we talk to customers and prospects, they expect that same kind of tracking capabilities. They expect the software, the Zuper software to have that same kind of tracking capabilities where their customers can see where is the technician that's coming to my house. And potentially, what does he or she look like? So I recognize them when they come to the door, right? right? Or to my business, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely true that people are looking at great service that they get from one industry and expecting that same level of service in every other industry that they may do business with, right? Right. So thank you, Lyft and Uber, for elevating all boats, I would say, <laughs> which I think they have done, yeah. So let's go back to some of the biggest challenges that people have mentioned in your 
uh, survey. You know, we talked a little bit about inflation recession being a, reported as a big challenge when you did the survey a couple months ago. But other than that, the top challenges were pressures on pricing, obviously from the customers to the service provider, uh, a shrinking labor pool. We hear so much about the shrinking labor pool. Can you talk about uh, a couple of those other high priority challenges that people reported, such as pricing, labor pool, supply chain? Those are the next highest ones. What are your uh, yeah. Yeah. So those have been going on for years. I mean, look, there's always been pressures on pricing. They, you know, when things are going well, customers are less price sensitive. When there's a recession or concerns about a, a recession and there's inflation, there's going to be more pricing pressures to keep them in Correct. line. But the good news is there are ways of solving that that challenge and the other ones you mentioned. You know, price, pricing pressures, you resolve it by being more creative, offering more value being creative in how, what your offerings look like, maybe unbundling services or bundling services, offering incentives that don't really cost very much to the provider. Shrinking labor pool, that's been going on for some time now. It's not just, it's not a current issue. It's been going on for years as the trades and the technical field is less attractive to recent graduates than some areas like software development or um AI yeah. development. So, you know, fortunately, there are companies that are offering variable workforces, and there's ways of utilizing technology to build your own freelance workforce and manage that workforce, ensure that workforce delivers a high level of service quality consistent to what you would do if you had your own employees. Right. Supply chain constraints. Yeah. Now, part of that is because of COVID, and part of it is because of what's happening with Russia and the Ukraine. So that just requires companies to be a little bit more proactive in parts planning and forecasting. Yeah. And there's technology tools that certainly can aid with that, right? That's uh, right. I mean, you and I are both familiar with a company that was founded many years ago called Servagistics that that specializes strictly in supply chain planning for service spare parts. And that company is now part of a PTC, right, for a, a product lifecycle management. So there are technology solutions that definitely aid and help ease these constraints and concerns that people have. So if That's people, right. if companies are not evaluating the available technologies that are out there today, then I think they're missing the boat because technologies can definitely assist in all of these areas. I, I think you made a good point about the shrinking labor pool too. I mean, you're right. That's been going on a long time, ever since the baby boomers started to retire. Yeah. And it, that continues to today, you know, the elder population and the field service forces continuing to retry, retire or, you know, pursue other activities. And with them, they take all of that knowledge. So that's a constant challenge that uh, people have faced. And I think you're absolutely right that there are very good opportunities in the trades, especially for people that can be trained and have a very, very good career without having the expense of getting a master's degree in computer technology, for example, or something else. So uh, there's outstanding career opportunities in the field service environment for a variety of different skills and uh, education levels. And yeah, I think I'm, really, some... I'm really proud of my son. Ah, good for you. He, he has a, gra a college degree in physics. Oh, That's he's a smart, he's a smart guy, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is how smart he is. He said, I want to do something where I can really make an impact. I'm worried about the recession too. I've done some research 
I think the best career move for me right now is to go into the trades. So with having a college education, a bachelor's degree, working for a salesman for a couple of years in insurance and doing pretty well, he decided to become an HVAC apprentice. Good for him. I know some people in the HVAC industry that would be really happy to hear that story because they're promoting that exact concept that uh, careers in the trades like HVAC and other trades can be very, very rewarding, not only emotionally, but financially solid careers as well. So good, good, good for him. So it's not just about me. It's a few things you said that made me think of something to add here. Um, with the shrinking labor force and the ability to use technology to create a freelance workforce, manage that freelance workforce. Excellent. I think another technology we, we shouldn't overlook here, Michael, is the, uh, the role and value of AI in helping to improve service delivery, you know, giving a less experienced technician the knowledge they need, understanding they need to resolve an issue, maybe even uh, resolve it faster than they could trying to troubleshoot it on their own or, or calling different people in the organization to get an answer. I think that's an excellent point. Thank you for bringing that up. And I would just add to that, not just AI, but augmented reality as well. Yes. Yeah. So augmented reality, for those that may not know, essentially means uh, that you're getting virtual real-time help uh, as a technician, for example, uh, from an expert that's essentially in, in a way looking over your shoulder and guiding you as to how to diagnose and repair something. It's uh, it's actually that technician, that senior technician who may be very, very remote is actually seeing what you're seeing and guiding your hands in performing a diagnostic or doing a repair. Yes, it's really game, been a game changer. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure I oversimplify it, didn't describe it very well. But if job. people are interested in learning a little bit more about augmented reality, you can do some research on it. Michael, we, yeah, have, we have a, a lot on our website too. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, on, on oh, that's website. quite all right. That's quite all right. Thank you for bringing that up because I do want, when we're done here, I do want you to tell people how they can contact you. So we'll, let's be sure we do that at the close of the close of the conversation here. We have a webinar coming up August 24th, you and I, and you're going to be going through this uh, study, the study results that uh, we've talked about briefly here in some detail. So do you want to just talk about that webinar very briefly here? August 24th again. Yeah, August 24th. Do you know the time, Michael? I have it for 11 a.m. Mountain Time. That's where I am. So That's right then. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go into a lot more depth here. I'm sorry, at the webinar than we did here. We'll, right. we'll show you the, the data. You'll get to see um, the results. Uh, we'll, we'll answer some more questions. I'll, I'll provide a little bit more interpretation of that data, what it means, and what, it, and particularly what it means for the people that are watching this and how they can use this data to make better decisions mm -hmm. about how they run their business, where they invest, and how they grow it in, a, yeah. in the foreseeable future. Yeah, so people can find out about that webinar either by going to your website, and I'll ask you to provide your website in a minute, or uh, the Zuber website as well. So, Michael, before we close out, I want to, I know there's something very interesting about you that on a personal note that I think people might be interested in knowing about. Don't mean to put you on the spot here, but you do some work for Tony Robbins, and you've done that for quite a long time, I think. And I think everybody or most people know who Tony Robbins is. So why don't you talk about that for just a minute? Uh, yeah, thank you. I, I've been involved with the Tony Robbins organization for some time. It's a really a great dynamic environment to be in. It's very uplifting and inspir inspiring to be part of it. And I made a lot of friends and 
mentors through, through that involvement. But basically what it is, when you go to a Tony Robbins event, you, you, I think what happens is you get so immersed in it and you feel just such this energy and this enthusiasm that you want to continue this and repeat it. So by going to all his events and uh, taking his courses and training with him, eventually you get the opportunity to be invited back as a, either as, as a senior leader where you go to the events and your role there at the event is not just to absorb the, the content and be part of the experience, but make, make it a great experience for the participants. So you're almost there coaching and counseling and uh, supporting the participants at the events. And then eventually there's a, it's a whole, it's a whole organization with its own of these volunteers who then become trainers and get more responsibility for supporting and coaching and advising uh, participants. So it's just been a great, great experience. It's, it's really helped me in my career. It's helped me with my health. I, I've lost a lot of weight. I was 40 mm-hmm. pounds overweight. I, I dropped that weight. It's helped me with my career, just doing things I never thought I could accomplish before without kind of the, the skills I learned from Tony Robbins. Yeah, that's great. How, I'm uh, How to motivate myself, how to motivate others, how to influence myself, how to influence others. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad you're involved in that. I went to one of his events many years ago. You're right. It was very, very exciting, very catching. You really get caught up in the moment. So good for you. Yeah. So Michael, why don't you just tell the audience how they can reach out to you and Blumberg Advisory? Yeah, I think the best way is through my website, www.blumbergadvisor.com. And if they were to visit my website, they'd find the resources page. On our resources page, we have a number of white papers that they could download, including white papers on on augmented reality and artificial intelligence. And then eventually we're going to post the, uh, we'll allow them to download the report from this research study, but which right now I think Zuper has exclusivity on that. That's the source of the white paper. No, that'd be great though. Thank you very much. And just to be clear for the audience, it's Blumberg Advisor, not Advisory. Is that correct? That's correct. So it's B-L-U-M-B-E-R-G-A-D-V-I-S-O-R, right? That's correct. Excellent. Michael, it's as always, it's been a pleasure having you as a guest on our show. Thank you so much for participating and for doing the research that you did. And once again, I encourage the audience to go to Michael's website or the Zuper website, which is simply zuper.co, not do not zuper.com, zuper, Z-U-P-E-R.co, and you'll find the registration link for the webinar. And we certainly hope to see you there. Michael, thanks again. Eric, Eric, back to you, please. All right. This has been fantastic. Mr. Blumberg, this has been great. I'm, I'm so glad I was a part of this show, listening to more information from you and, and getting to know you a little bit more. I had no idea about your your involvement in the Tony Robbins group. So that, that was fun to learn. Mr. Israel, this has been a true pleasure. I want to let you know that I appreciate you very much, you, Rob, and the entire team for allowing me to be a small part of this podcast. Unfortunately, this is my last time on the podcast. Next time you will have a new co-host, Wendy, will be joining you and, and opening and closing the show and learning more about Zuper and your entire organization. I know she's going to be blessed in that process as well. So for one more time, thank you, Michael Israel, for again, letting me be a part of this. And our last yep. thank you will always go to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Zuper FM Field Service Your Way with Michael Israel. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the guys come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. 
And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Zuper FM, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Zuper FM, field service your way. Insightful discussions and advice that help you position your field service operations as a powerful force in building enduring customer loyalty. And remember this, when you deliver excellent service to your customers, you're also facilitating their ability to provide superior service to their customers, which strengthens brand loyalty among their customer base as well. Thanks again. Please join us next time.